everybody, and welcome back to Supernatch the podcast. Welcome to 2017. Oh my god, welcome to 2017. We're finally here, guys. We made it. 2016's over. If you're listening to this, I'm so happy you're listening to this. Mwah. 2016, over and done with. Kind of a really terrible year in uh, about 3,700 different ways. We can agree on that, right? That's a that's a point we can agree on. Yeah? Okay. I'm going to give you a high five. You can't feel it, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. And we're done. Welcome back. Happy to have you here. Happy to have you guys listening. So grateful and thankful and excited because now we are going full steam ahead on our weekly episodes of Supernatch. So that is 52 episodes of the show, which means we will get through, we will get through at least two and a half seasons. So we're going to be plowing through this. Just before we dive into the episode, I do want to mention that we are welcoming Kate back as a guest later on in the show. So be sure to stick around for her and I chatting a bit about Dead in the Water, Supernatural as a whole, and running through the episode at breakneck messy speeds because as much as we adore and love Supernatural, this episode was definitely not one of our favorites and that is okay. It's allowed to happen. It happens several times throughout the years. I'm not knocking anybody and it doesn't deter my want to review the show and every single podcast, nor does it lessen my love on the whole. So just throwing that out there, be sure to stick around. Today's episode is all about Dead in the Water, which was season one, episode three of Supernatural. This episode aired on September 27th of 2005, which is approximately 11 years, three months, and nine days ago, as of today, which is Thursday, January 5th, 2017. Let's pause for a second and just assess that amount of time. I'm not asking you to look back and think of the life-changing events that have happened, because some of them are not great. We all have years of good things and years of bad things, and that is just life. But in 11 years... Think of how much can happen, how much has happened. You might have gone through several jobs or even several different career changes. Maybe you were married and now you're not married. Or maybe you weren't married and now you are. Maybe you didn't have children and now you do. I think the span of this show is one of the things I absolutely adore about it because I was in my early 20s. When this show started, I was 21 and I'm 33 now. And that is crazy. I was a kid when this show debuted. And for all intents and purposes, I'm still a kid, bitch. No, I'm kidding. I'm definitely an adult, but you know, with like a child heart or whatever that saying is, that's me. It's amazing. I want you to think about that and kind of appreciate it just for a second. Not not me or this podcast or anything goofy like that, but the show itself, that it has been with you in the best times of your life, in the boring, forgettable times of your life, or in the really crap shit times that you don't want to remember. And maybe it helped you. Maybe it helped see you through something that you never thought you would get through. Because I think... And I'm not trying to be all therapeutic here, but as a person who struggles with anxiety on a, a infrequent basis and depression on an infrequent basis, I will be honest and say that this show has definitely saw me through very many highs and very many lows. And I've drawn strength from that and from these characters that have been created from Jensen and Jared and even Jensen and Jared themselves with their campaigns with either just each other or with Misha Collins. I think the outreach of this show is a beautiful thing and it has impacted so many lives. And, and I guess I just want to take a minute and say thank you 
to everybody involved with Supernatural because it's certainly changed my life for the better. And I, I know I went off the rails a bit with this speech, but I just wanted you to think about that. And if you did and would like to contact me about how this show has changed your life, I would love to hear that. If you're, you know, open and willing to share, I'm definitely always here to listen. And if you would like to be featured, I would love to have you on the show to talk about how Supernatural changed your life. So please feel free to reach out. My contact information will be at the very end of this podcast, so be sure to stick around. All right. Now that we have gone a bit psychological on today's episode, let's start diving into the show itself. So we're going to do a quick run-through, very run-of-the-mill episode insofar as today's standards of supernatural content. That said, when we first were introduced to this episode, this was only episode three, so we were not familiar with revenge spirits i.e. ghosts that have bones to pick with living beings. And it was good at the time. And I appreciated it for what it was. Although I was basically just very thirsty for any kind of Dean and Sam Winchester, the road so far, hunting experience with the brothers. I will completely cop to that. Be that as it may, the episode was enjoyable. It's not one that I will go back on and just randomly watch because I'm bored or something. Because there are so many other episodes in this series that we will come to know that are just, you know, knockouts. Even though Dead in the Water had its time and place, it still has its time and place, if that makes sense. So diving in. Pun intended. <laughs> Dead in the Water. We have a family living on Lake Monotoc in Wisconsin. It is a father... And his two children, a daughter and a son. Just briefly want to mention that Lake Monotoc is a fictional lake. It does not exist. However, there is a Lake Manitowoc in Wisconsin, which I'm assuming the writers and showrunners based this particular episode off of, which that's that's pretty close and creative. So good job. Back to the show. The first introduction with the siblings that we have before the title card flashes, is the daughter, Sophie Carlton, who is going for a swim, and the brother slings some sort of sexist comment that men don't like buff chicks, and she doesn't give a shit, because as all women know, we are working out for ourselves and not for anybody else, right? Okay, good. Just wanted to double check that you are doing you and not for anybody else. Moving on. Unfortunately, even though Sophie is a boss-ass bitch and doing what she wants for her own life, she gets dragged under the water by an unseen presence and ultimately drowns to death. It's very sad. Her father, whose name is Bill Carlton, is heartbroken and basically useless the rest of the episode. Her brother, Will Carlton, is taking care of their father now, doing the best that he can. Ultimately, in... A little bit of time, Will loses his life to a very strange drowning in a dry sink in their house while he's cleaning a fish for dinner. And then Bill is ultimately left childless and we will get to his demise in a little bit. So after the title card flashes, Dean and Sam are situated in a diner and Dean is being Dean, chatting up the lady waitress who's given him the eyeball too, so... So the feeling's obviously mutual. And Sam shoots that right down with his whiny, complaining attitude about how they have not found John Winchester yet. And Sam, I love you, baby, but damn, already by episode three, a bit of a broken record. A, a bit of a broken record. Luckily for us, Dean basically shoots him down and just says, we are taking care of every weird, inexplicable hunting-related case between here and wherever the hell John Winchester is, so suck it up, buttercup, and that's that. So Dean mentions that there is a possible case in Wisconsin that they should check out. 
shows the newspaper clipping article, very teeny tiny, because the weird doesn't typically make the big pages of the news. I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, I would prefer a lot of that to a lot of what we actually get insofar as news goes. But that could also be because the world is kind of in dire straits and everything is terrible. And I just want a little bit of levity. And for me, weird stuff is is enjoyable. I don't know. That's a selfish request to everybody. (laughs) CNN, I'm looking at you. I digress. So the boys are on the road. They arrive at their destination and boop, pause for a second. They are impersonating federal wildlife agents and their freaking names are Agent Ford and Agent Hamill. As in Harrison Ford, Han Solo, and Mark Hamill, Luke freaking Skywalker. And side note, I'm a gigantic Star Wars fan. My geek flag was waving back and forth in that hurricane gale force wind. They are talking to Will Carlton, the son of Bill Carlton, the father who lost his daughter. And he basically is just saying how he saw something grab his sister and they don't know what it is. And flash forward a bit, the boys leave the house, they go visit the sheriff's station, they interview the sheriff, again, posing as federal wildlife agents, where the sheriff talks about the lake having been dragged. Now, I'm going to pause real fast to describe what dragging a lake is, which was described by Sheriff Jake as what they had done in search of Sophie Carlton's body in the lake, as well as the other victims that had died through the years at Lake Manitok. So according to research done insofar as police methods for dragging a lake, it seems that the most notable practice essentially is hanging grappling hooks off of the stern portion of a boat, which is the back, the bow is the front. And as these hooks run along the bottom of the lake or any source of water. If it catches on something, they reel it up and they see. If it doesn't, they keep dragging it along. It's a very time-consuming process, but it is something that has been in practice for a great many years and is effective despite how time-consuming it is. So that's dragging. The other method that Sheriff Jake on the show mentioned they had done was sonar. I know the majority of us know what sonar is, but just in case you don't, according to the Google gods, the definition is a system for the detection of objects underwater and for measuring the water's depth by emitting sound pulses and detecting or measuring their return after being reflected. Again, it's a TV show and they threw out dragging and sonar. That is what both of them mean. If you would like more descriptions or pictures of either devices used in each practice, I will eventually have them up on the website, so be sure to keep an eye out. After that, we are introduced to Sheriff Jake's daughter, a woman named Andrea, who comes in and drops her son Lucas off. We find out that Lucas's father, Andrea's husband, Chris, had been killed on that lake the year before, And Lucas was there as a witness. Unfortunately, he was left on the lake for a total amount of two hours after his father had been dragged under and killed by some mysterious revengeful spirit that we don't know is a revengeful spirit yet, but eventually we do. And because of that particular incident, Lucas is experiencing PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. It is a very serious mental health condition that is often found in people who have experienced some sort of traumatic or terrifying event in their lives. It is very notable among military personnel who have gone to war and come home. And it is certainly never something to be joked about, despite the stigma that surrounds it sometimes with our media culture and society. PTSD. That is what we as viewers of the show understand Lucas to be experiencing. So he does not speak anymore. He often draws 
and colors with crayons, and that's about his only method of communication. Although something seems off with him aside from that, and obviously we find out what that particular strangeness is later on in the show, and I will get to that. But for now, we are just meeting these characters, and of course, as per the norm for Mr. Dean Winchester, he starts hitting on Andrea, and comes on with the lamest attempt ever at bonding with her son. For me, this was probably the first time that I cringed a bit at Dean's hitting on women, only because going through a kid seems a little icky to me, but eventually it kind of works out over the rest of the show, and we will discuss that shortly. She takes the boys to their hotel, they go, they start their research, and while there, they discover that every... So often over the past 35 years, there have been at least six drownings with an additional three over the last year in general. This is due to the fact that the lake will no longer exist in a few short months as the local town's dam is giving way to erosion and just the wares of time. Eventually the boys connect that this is obviously related, but I will get to that soon too. I already discussed that Will Carlton, the son of Bill Carlton, the brother of Sophie Carlton, who was the girl killed at the beginning of the episode, I already discussed that he is the next to go. He dies drowning in a sink. Bill finds his son and is basically inconsolable, as I would assume that any parent would be at that point, but I'm not going to delve too deeply in that. I feel like that's what it sounds like is what it is. So we go back and forth between scenes where Bill Carlton is sitting on a lake and then we're back with the brothers and eventually they're back with Andrea and Lucas who is at the park and Dean goes over and tries to talk to him and pretends he can color and does a whole little picture and it's terrible of course but we love it anyway. In the end Lucas says nothing, Dean walks away and then eventually Lucas hands Dean a drawing. This is monumental as the child basically doesn't communicate with anybody, I'm assuming outside of his mother. For him to offer that to Dean was pretty big. We knew that something more was going on with him at that point. We just didn't yet know what. After that point, the boys are back on the road and Sam is examining the drawing. And they notice that there's a church steeple in the actual drawing. Dean makes fun of him with this pretty fun quip. See this church? I bet there's less than a thousand of those around here. Oh, college boy thinks he's so smart. <laughs> I love that. I love the way he says that. That's pretty great. Anyway, sorry. My Dean girl heart is fanning a little bit. As the show progresses, Dean and Sam track down the house in the crayon colored picture that Lucas had drawn for Dean. And it turns out that it is the mother of a boy named Peter Sweeney who had vanished 35 years prior. As soon as that number's thrown out, you know, ding, 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 everybody realizes that this is obviously what's going on here, and the rest of the show basically plays out in, I hate to say, a very predictable fashion, but it was definitely pretty predictable, in my honest opinion. And we're going to run through that right now, and then we'll get to the lore. The rest of the show basically comes together in a grand reveal that Bill Carlton, who eventually sacrificed himself to the lake after speaking to it, the lake... He was speaking to the lake, I mean, because he realized something was trying to get back at him for what he had done in the past. And in the past, we learned that Peter Sweeney went missing 35 years ago. He was riding on his bike home from school. He was supposed to come directly home from school as per the normal mom requests, especially during those days. It wasn't as strict as it is today. For comparison, my daughter is seven and a half years old, and I would absolutely never ever let her ride her bike anywhere at this point by herself. I honestly don't know how I'm actually going to face sending her out into the world, even as a teenager, but you know, I have time for that and I will cross that bridge when I come to it. Back to the show. Peter never showed up, vanished, it's been 35 years, and his mother mentions that not knowing what happened to him is worse than dying, which is what Bill Carlton said when he was talking to Sam and Dean at the lake, that losing his children was worse than dying. There's that cosmic beyond the veil intervention, I believe, that Lucas is touched with, but also that the people involved with Peter Sweeney's death are connected with, rather. Bill Carlton had sacrificed himself to the lake. Dean and Sam witnessed this. 
there's a hilarious blooper that is attached to that particular scene where Jensen jumps into Jared's arms and it's pretty hilarious. So if you have not seen the season one blooper reel, I would say wait until we are done watching the whole season and then watch it as a whole because it's pretty entertaining. And they have done one every year since, just FYI. And they're pretty remarkable. Very funny men. Thanks, guys. And the cast and crew, of course. To the show we go again. I digress. I do that a lot. I told you the show was going to be messy only because I'm trying to fluff out an episode that didn't actually have a lot of fluffing. Sorry, but that's the truth. <laughs> we learn that Sheriff Jake, Peter Sweeney, and Bill Carlton were all friends. Not necessarily friends. Sheriff Jake and Bill used to bully Peter Sweeney because he was smaller than them. And ultimately, it's revealed that they accidentally drowned him to death in the lake, let his body go, buried his bike, and that was that. We learned this because after Sam and Dean had rescued Andrea from a near drowning in her bathtub, side note, they were actually on their way out of town at the strong-armed request of Sheriff Jake, who again is the father of Andrea and the grandfather of Lucas, who no longer wanted Sam and Dean in the town, and I can only assume it was because they were getting too close to the truth, but Dean knew that something didn't feel right. He felt that the case was unresolved and that there was danger still looming overhead. So he followed his gut and he headed back to the town straight for Andrea's house. And it was a good thing that he did because he rescued her from certain death. And it was after that that Lucas leads them to the buried bike. Dean, Sam, and ultimately Sheriff Jake who pops up with a gun on the boys because obviously his life is threatened now to change irrevocably and go to jail himself and he's going to fight for that until he realizes that you know what it's time to cop to this mess and he does and then at that point we notice that Lucas was somehow summoned to the lake where he is ultimately pulled under the show plays out Dean and Sam jump in to try and save Lucas ultimately Sheriff Jake wades in and sacrifices himself Dean pops up with Lucas, who it seems to us is no longer breathing. And then the scene cuts and we are introduced to the next day. The boys are looking very morose, very sad, heartbroken even. And then Sam mentions, we can't save everybody, Dean. And after Sam says that, Andrea and Lucas, who are still alive, yay, they saved him. They just couldn't save Sheriff Jake which was inevitable. And to be honest, he paid his dues because he murdered someone when he was a child and, and then became a law enforcement sheriff. So I feel like that's just desserts in my opinion. I know that may be a little harsh. Oh, well. In the end, Lucas starts talking again. Dean and him share a moment where he says this. All right, if you're gonna be talking now, this is a very important phrase. So I want you to repeat it back to me one more time. That's right, bye-bye. And boom, he gets a smooch from Andrea, and then the boys drive off into the sunset. So now that we have completely run through dead in the water, it's time to dig in to the lore, people. The folklore, the mythology, the mythos, the is this shit for real or is it just completely unbelievable? We find out from this particular episode that we are dealing with a vengeful spirit. According to Google, my first source that I always go to because, I mean, it's Google, <laughs> a vengeful spirit in mythology and folklore is a vengeful ghost or spirit that is said to be the spirit of a deceased person who returns from the afterlife to seek revenge for a cruel, unnatural, or unjust death. This is pretty generic, pretty vast insofar as the scope of this particular entity. But what else can we actually learn aside from the obvious? Well, Expanding that, in my research, I found out that vengeful spirits or ghosts are multicultural insofar as almost the entire world and every culture 
has their own version of a vengeful ghost from North America to Latin America, from India to Japan, from every point on this globe. There are legends and beliefs, and all of them have a universal description that these particular spirits are enacting revenge for something that happened in their past life. They're dangerous. They're murderous. They are hell-bent on completing their mission because they were wronged during their lifetime. They will not leave to pass beyond until their mission is complete, until they have killed everybody involved with their vengeance. And it's wide-reaching. It's not just, I'm going to kill the person that killed me. It's, I'm going to kill the person that killed me and everybody in their family. It's a by-proxy revenge, I suppose you could say. Now, insofar as cultures go, there are certain cultures where revenge spirits are predominantly male or certain cultures that are predominantly female. It varies between these women were unjustly treated during their lifetime. They were suppressed. They were dismissed or died in such true despair that they have lingered on to enact the same on those who had wronged them. Most of these cases are people that have died long before they were supposed to. Not that anybody knows when they're supposed to die. But if somebody is murdered, their life is taken far too short. I feel like that's something that we can all agree upon. The list of vengeful ghosts, of vengeful spirits, is nearly endless. When I searched the internet, I came across one site that had a list six pages long after I printed it out. I will include that on the website, but I will not mention every single name here. It would be far too long. That said, some of them include the Chindi, which in Native American Navajo beliefs is a bad spirit, a leftover collection of this once living being's negative energy who has died violently. Not all ghosts that were murdered ultimately end up vengeful spirits. There's actually something called a radiant boy, which in European folklore is a male child who was murdered by his mother. And he's an apparition that glows. So a glowing ghost. And this is known as an omen for impending doom or death. The folklore varies between culture to culture and legend to legend. Not every vengeful spirit died at the hands of a murderer and seek their revenge as a general rule of thumb. But for the sake of this episode, it seems that the Chindi, the Native American Navajo mythology, is most closely related to what Supernatural did with their particular episode in Dead in the Water. And remember, be sure to look out for that particular list of ghosts in folklore and their legends on the website. Coming soon, I can't wait. So now that we delved into the meaning and the widespread reach of the folklore surrounding a vengeful spirit, how does that compare to Supernatural? I think they did a great job. What we were shown in this episode is exactly what a vengeful spirit is. First, Dean mentioned they might be dealing with a water wraith. Now, I looked up wraiths as a whole to see if it was plausible to believe that what was in the actual lake could possibly have been a wraith before we knew what we were dealing with. According to my research, the word wraith is the Scottish word for ghosts or apparition or spirit. But a wraith is also similar in meaning to the Grim Reaper. It's just basically a variance in the connotation. So taking that and putting it together, if one person had died on that lake, I would believe that a water wraith might be responsible. That this idea of a reaper coming to take the living soul to wherever it's headed next could go through the water, as I'm sure has happened time in memoria. But in this particular case, because it was so specific and aimed at the Carlton family and, and the sheriff's family, it's undoubtedly a vengeful spirit. And with that, I think Supernatural did an excellent job. We know what we're dealing with without actually doing research or homework or grabbing a folklore tome. We're entertained. I think they did a great job. There was no deviances. I don't think there was anything over embellished. I don't think they Hollywooded it up, as one might say. I think they kept to the lore very closely. So kudos to everyone on the show. So what do I think on Vengeful Spirits as a whole? Just like the previous two episodes that we have discussed, I completely believe there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that if someone dies a horrible death, that they have 
justification to stick around and reenact their vengeance, their revenge, until they feel justified enough to move on. That said, I'm not saying that it's right, but I won't say that it's wrong. There's no way to control these spirits without A, giving them what they want, or B, there is some lore about exorcisms that have worked insofar as these particular cases, but it's kind of thin, so I won't delve too deeply into that. But in the end, I completely believe that it's possible, that it's probable, plausible, all the P words, because it makes sense in my brain. And I believe in everything and anything anyway, so this should absolutely be no surprise to anybody. <laughs> And now I'm going to stop talking to myself and we are going to go and bring in my conversation with Kate. So you still have to listen to me for a little while longer, but I promise it will be entertaining. So here we go. Welcoming back her second appearance on Super Natch Podcast is Kate. Yay! <laughs> I should put some sort of like clap track in there. I feel like that'd be good. I feel like, you, I feel like, you're, I feel like you're worth it. I'm going to be honest. Standing ovations. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so so how the hell are you doing? How was your oh, New Year's? So great. Now we're done with whatever 2016 was <laughs> and moving right into 2017. Yes. And I feel like it's been five solid days so far. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to agree. I know we have like 360 more to go, but five solid, I'll take it. Right. Somebody actually made a horror film out of 2016. Have you seen it? No, I know the video's out there. For some reason, I have not watched it yet. It is hilarious, and it made me sad. I was like, <sighs> this was real life for all of us. Yeah, no, I've heard good things about it from literally all my friends. I think I'm the last person to have to watch this, but <laughs> I will eventually watch it. Because <laughs> it has, like, you know, the bad guy villain... I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but I'm pretty sure you know who the bad guy villain of 2016 is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're back today to talk about episode three of Supernatural from season one, Dead in the Water. Yes. Before we even get to details, what are your initial thoughts without without digging into any parts of it? How would you, if, if you had to describe the show to somebody who had never seen it, what would you say? This particular episode? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if we go with the, the meme version, it's two guys try to find out why the dead boy keeps killing everyone. <laughs> I mean, it's... I, I would probably equate it to, like, America's Loch Ness a little bit. Because okay. there's a lake involved and um, probably spin it off that way. Because I would say it's kind of like that. Um, supernatural stake on the Loch Ness. In a way. <laughs> in a better way, I would say. Personally. Probably. I mean, it's not... I mean, it is a monster, but it's not... I, I don't know. And now, and now that we're touching on Loch Ness, because that does get mentioned, I think, twice in the actual episode. Mm hmm <laughs> Do you believe in the Loch Ness monster? <laughs> I, no... I really, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I think I mentioned that before. That and Sasquatch, I'm like, that's just hokey. You've gone too far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, that's the societal failing where it's like, really? Yeah. You want me to believe that? No. Yeah. <laughs> Although, <sighs> side note, I'm torn because I'm a huge fan of Josh Gates from Destination Truth and Expedition Unknown. Mm -hmm. And he, like, is a fervent believer in the Yeti. So, <laughs> so now I'm like, uh, I guess I believe in the Yeti. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm so you. sorry for you. <laughs> I know. Damn it, these allegiances. <laughs> so Seriously. All right. So we have Dead in the Water, which is episode three. And the brothers are obviously on another case. Mm -hmm. um, few things right off the bat that I noticed that I wanted to kind of dig in with you was the sexist comment from Will Carlton, the brother of Sophie Carlton, who ends up drowning in the lake, being the first victim that we know about. Mm -hmm. His, you know, guys don't like buff girls. I wanted to basically <laughs> just like give him the finger because she's not doing it for men, FYI. Right. <laughs> 
And then the whole concept, when it actually gets to Sophie Carlton's death in the water, which is, you know, in the first three minutes, that whole concept of just being dragged under in a body of water just scares me. Like, uh, irrationally. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, it, it scares a lot of people because, and, and rightly so, you've got this big body of water that as it gets deeper you can't touch the bottom so and you can't see what's underneath you mm-hmm. so I, I get the fear of like being out in deep ocean I don't have that but I get it because you can't see what's under you so <laughs> good <Yeah>. luck <laughs> <laughs> I th- now see I, I definitely have a love affair with the ocean and you know I would love to be like a certified scuba diver one day I would be okay in that situation because I'd have the gear and the goggles and my eyeballs helping me out. But I think the idea of just just flopping into a body of water or lake or whatever and then just going for a swim, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know if I could do it. <laughs> just. No. Especially by myself. No. Right. Isn't no. Is that like the first I... rule of swimming that you learn when you're like three? Right. Don't go by yourself, which... <laughs> According to Supernatural, no one follows any rules ever. So there Kripke you go. just threw that book right out. Well, of course. I mean, you have NPCs, so <laughs> let's just do whatever you want with the NPCs. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so Sophie Carlton's the first victim. We are in Lake Monotoc, Wisconsin. After her death, the boys, you know, they're sitting down talking about closure. And I was going to do a special, like, kind of look into closure as a topic by itself Mm -hmm. sam is obviously using it because of jess and mary winchester and the fact that they haven't found john winchester yet but dean kind of fires back with that whininess like you know what we're still doing this shit regardless of your feelings and need for closure do you think dean says that because he has closure and sam doesn't or he's just tired of listening to sam complain (laughs) No, <laughs> Dean Winchester and closure. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, Dean Winchester has so many unresolved issues. Um, I think he did it just to like deflect back yeah. onto Sam and be like, you know what? We're here. We're doing this. I mean, because he's he's always pulling, you know, strong big brothers. So, and he partially did it for that. But I mean, he's also a big brother. So <laughs> doing it to <laughs> shut Sam up is totally feasible (laughs) that's always some of my favorite moments between them where one diffuses the other or instigates you know some sort of reaction out of the other one i think that that's always really fun to see and especially since it's been there since the beginning yeah well it's it's a rounded out dynamic i mean you can't have one going full steam all the time and then have the other one do it. Like, it, they, they balance it out really well between the brothers. Mm-hmm. One's always going to be supporting the other. And if you look in later seasons, they switch roles quite a bit. Yeah, that's true. Almost every season, I feel like it switches back and forth, like the power play between them. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And then, you know, once Castiel comes in and then the Angels as a whole, it's like, oof. That whole topic of closure was just kind of thrown in there. And I was like, I feel like there's like there's more that could be said about that. Be- and, and you saying that Dean deflected because he, he's just he's such an open book, even though he doesn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I love him the most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is really weird. So, yeah, m- you know, moving along, they, they have that conversation on closure and then they leave. They hit the road. And they follow the case to Wisconsin. When they get there, I have to, you know I have to bring this up. When they get there, they knock on the door. And they're federal wildlife, I guess, agents. agents. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. And their aliases are Agent Ford and Agent Hamill. Of course, because we have to bring Star Wars in early. (laughs) Of course. When I rewatch that, you know, now that, side note mega star wars fan uh i was just like yeah that has to be noted in today's episode because that's probably my favorite aliases and i'm pretty sure they don't ever use them again to my knowledge i there might be one that they mentioned solo but don't quote me on that i could be completely wrong yeah like solo and 
Not they wouldn't say Skywalker because nobody would believe that. <laughs> right. <laughs> who would they pair with Solo though? Oh, you know who does it? Um. <laughs> oh, Garth? Is it Garth? No, it's not Garth. It's um, Kevin. Kevin Tran does it. <laughs> oh my God, he does. Right, right. Kevin freaking Solo. Yeah, yeah. So it does. That comes up again super later, but it happens. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Sorry, everybody, if you're watching along with us, that you'll have to wait mm, about seven or eight seasons. <laughs> oh, it's season nine. <laughs> Far away. <laughs> so the boys run into this family. We have, you know, Andrea, who lost her husband on the lake. She has a young son who witnessed the whole thing named Lucas. And he's traumatized, doesn't speak, draws really creepy drawings that eventually lead Dean and Sam, you know, to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But we'll get there. In the meantime, with all of these other deaths happening, wasn't this show kind of like a little bit of a Captain Obvious? I thought so, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was re-watching it and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you know who's involved with this almost from the get-go. Yeah, it. I mean, it wasn't a hard thing, but mm. apparently for some people it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to talk to them people. <laughs> <laughs> because this probably is someone's favorite episode of all time. And, and I, I don't know. I have a hard time believing this particular episode is someone's favorite of all time. Yeah, but remember, there are people out there who are like, <laughs> think of a really shitty movie just off the top of your head. I can't, because uh, I don't really watch them. It follows. Uh, everyone loves that movie. Ooh, that's a bad movie. <laughs> See, I have not seen that one, but let's just say that that's the worst movie. I can guarantee you there's at least three people in the world that are like, that is my favorite movie of all time. Oh, there's so many. That particular <laughs> movie, it follows. Everybody, critics love that movie, and it is the worst movie I have ever seen. I oh, It's I, so bad. I've never seen it, but I know the premise of it. And now that I'm thinking, I wonder how funny it would be if Supernatural did a take on a sexually transmitted disease, basically acting the way a demon might and going through people. Guaranteed, (laughs) Dean would get it because that's just how it would go. And then Sam, being exasperated, would be like, seriously, dude? And then he has to end up saving Dean, and it would turn into this whole thing. I totally see that <laughs> being an episode. Maybe maybe somewhere down the line they will listen to this conversation and just be like, yep, it's time. Oh, that I think they could spin that as a, a funny episode, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be like one of their, <laughs> their breaks from heavy. Just the levity that they throw in every... They sprinkle it in every season somewhere. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, as much as I would love to pick apart this episode, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it it absolutely is. Although I have to say the kid drove me nuts in that episode. (laughs) Like, every time I watch it and he's like tugging on Dean, I'm like, use your words. (laughs) Use your words. I cannot tell you how many times as a parent I've said that. <laughs> right. I'm not even a parent and I've had to say that to my own little sisters. So. <laughs> I know it, how yeah. This goes. Although it begs the question, could he not talk because he was, I don't know. What would you say that he was not possessed by Peter Sweeney, which is the name of the ghost slash wraith whatever in the water that is killing everybody in the lake but when lucas witnessed his father's death and then was stranded in the middle of the lake for two hours waiting for a rescue Mm -hmm. we don't really know what happened and we even at the end of the episode we still don't know what happens but do you think that he was just like somehow telepathically connected to the ghost and just couldn't speak no i think it was straight up ptsd because the kid knew what was going on i mean maybe Maybe a little bit in that he drew all those pictures for Dean. So mm-hmm. maybe when his Lucas's dad died, um, like the kid gave him flashes to like be like, "This is why I'm killing your dad." And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like the voice. <laughs> 
that yeah, I think that that makes sense because he had more insight than anybody else on the show. Even you know Sheriff Jake, who was responsible for Peter Sweeney's death, which again Peter Sweeney is the ghost, the lake. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're skipping everything, and people are gonna be like, <laughs> "What the hell?" <laughs> I liked Dean bonding with a kid. It seemed unrealistic when it started, but then it actually got real. Mm-hmm. Sam taking shots at him for it. Of course, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I know Dean Winchester kids. What? <laughs> I mean, one one interesting thing to bring up is that they keep up the, like, inherent distrust of law enforcement. Mm, yes. So. Good note. That's that's a fun one to, to look at because it seems like most of the legal forces that they show on the show are painted as not very competent people. <laughs> I know. Well, they and they always visit these, like, tiny little towns where, like, the police department is three or four people strong. Right. And I'm not knocking that, you know, just, I come from a very large metropolitan city, so my my idea of a, you know, police department is just massive compared to these kind of rinky-dink towns. Right, with their sheriffs. Yeah, <laughs> sheriff, yeah a sheriff. There you go. You know, I'm not trying to be an, an asshole at all. I'm just, it's so far out of my league. But at the same time, a part of me kind of would expect... I don't know, maybe better police work in smaller towns because they don't have as much to deal with, if that makes sense. You would think. (laughs) I mean, but they keep, with the exception of um, Donna and Jody. Mm -hmm. I love love both of them. They're so amazing. Um, We need more Donna, by the way. Yeah, we totally do. But, I mean, with the exception of those two, it seems like the small town sheriffs are always, like, the corrupt ones, or they're trying to keep things out of the light. Like, they're (laughs) not doing what proper law enforcement is supposed to do, because for some reason they're actually involved in the the reason that the boys are there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They hinder the case more often than not. Oh, yeah. Although, side note, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, and this is not something that is just fiction. I believe that. (laughs) I actually listened to two today, where both instances, I was like, how does that even happen with law enforcement in, like, 2016? It just blew my mind, the, I guess, the ineptitude or the laziness. I don't know which Mm. one it is. The problem is, is, like, I'm a huge, like... I'm definitely, like, pro-police and things like that. At one point, I was going to be one. So, I'm, you know, I hold them in high regard. But when you watch the news or when you watch episodes like Supernatural, even though it's fiction, it's still, like, it's still rooted in non-fiction. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of like, what the hell is going on? Right. Does n- nobody give a shit? I don't know. <laughs> That's what it Something. seems like. Yeah. So I have to agree, but... Yeah, it's just interesting that that's something that's a a pretty common theme for the show, incompetent law enforcement. (laughs) Although, to be fair, I'm pretty sure in my head, everybody's incompetent outside of Dean, Sam, Cass, and Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I like Rufus (laughs) and Garth and Kevin, but I don't know if I would ever trust them without, you know, Dean or Sam with them. Oh, Kevin, I totally would. Kevin, for sure. That's true. Being a prophet. Yeah. Yeah. Having an archangel strapped to your ass. That would help. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one more thing to note about the show. At the very end of the episode, after they rescue Lucas from the lake, who gets pulled in by the ghost, the boys are acting super morose. And that was obviously a ploy to make us as viewers believe that Lucas had died along with the sheriff, his grandfather. Mm Mm-hmm. And a part of me, I remember watching that and just going, oh, you son of a bitches. Like, it's a kid. Don't make me think a kid died. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you ever think that? Because I was like, God, they're acting really sad. Maybe Lucas died. Uh, no, because once he came up out of the water, I was like, oh, okay, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't breathing. Like, his eyes didn't open or anything. So I was like, mm, I don't, this could go one of two ways. Yeah, it could. I don't know. I was like, oh, Dean's got him up. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Although it's funny to note that Sam rescued Andrea, Lucas's mom, from a bathtub drowning, and then Lucas is rescued by Dean. So I, I love how they balance everything on this show. Yeah. 
between them. That's nice. Yeah. Not that I think that Jensen or Jared would ever be like, oh, you got to rescue more people than I did, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I just think that it's kind of one of those things where it's like, this works out perfectly, and I love it. Right. So. Oh, they're very, very heroes, really. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. They're very heroes. <laughs> yes, because I am very good at articulating. <laughs> well, you are. But I like that, though. That might be... I might put that on the website. I'm not even bullshitting, so... Oh, jeez. So, yeah. In the end, Lucas talks. Everything is good. The Impala drives away. And the boys are on their way to another case in another town far, far away. Overall, thoughts on this episode? Like a five, probably. (laughs) If we're going on a one to ten scale. Like, eh, it's all right. Not one that I want to sit and, you know... Like, oh, I'm bored on a Friday night. Let's watch Dead in the Water. (laughs) Side note, we should do a rating, one out of ten devil's traps. There you go. So you give it five. Five. (laughs) You know, I'm going to stick with you there. Because if I wasn't doing this podcast, I don't know if I would ever just... Right. You're not like, let's watch Dead in the Water. (laughs) No. (laughs) funny though because the pilot episode was really good again not one of my favorites but i loved wendigo and that is one that i will actually go back and watch occasionally yeah i'll, I'll watch wendigo multiple times mm-hmm. isn't it funny and then i think the next one is what phantom traveler episode four yes yeah Ooh, plain dean i love yeah. plain dean <laughs> <laughs> plain dean is my spirit animal because that is me <laughs> yes all right so we rated it Five out of ten. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's fair. Uh, I love you, Supernatural, but it was a forgettable episode. Absolutely. And that's okay. That's definitely okay. Although I still remember loving it when I first, you know, started the series. I was like, oh, just give me more Dean and Sam. I don't care. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but now, I think now we're very spoiled. And it's like, all right, I need some substance. Yeah, get get me... <laughs> Get me that uh, arc line that you got going on there. That's what I want. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming back for episode three. I mean, you're you're on two thirds of the show already. You're fantastic. Oh shoot! Right. <laughs> and uh, and and uh, again, we discussed this before recording, but you're going to be on bugs, <laughs> whether yes. you like it or not. I don't care if it's just dead air for twenty minutes. You're going to be there. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) It's painful, but we can do it. I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) So give, I'll give you a minute real quick to shout out your social media information for everybody to follow you. So go for it. Oh, so I changed since episode one because why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can find me on Twitter at Winchester Deva. It's D-A-E-V-A, which is in an upcoming episode, I'll add. (laughs) So, yeah, new account, new following. Go for it. it. (laughs) I love it. And that is our show for today. So thank you so much for joining again, Kate. Yeah, thank you for having me. Always. And uh, again, you'll be back for bugs. And I'm going to stop recording now so you can't can't say anything. Damn it. just want to take a minute and thank everybody for listening and i hope you enjoyed this episode if so please follow the links and leave me some reviews or ratings on itunes and be sure to follow me over on soundcloud you can find me at supernatch pod on both twitter and SoundCloud. And if you would like to reach out and get in touch with me as per some of this episode's content, you can send me an email at supernatchpodcast at gmail.com or a DM over at Twitter. Everything will be listed out and easily accessible coming to the website very soon. So once again, thank you very, very much for listening. And I look forward to talking with everybody next week. Till next time, guys.